Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Nahum Kligman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Welcome to episode 18 of the From Entrepreneur. And today I Hi. have... I didn't introduce you yet. Episode Chai. Oh, episode Chai. <laughs> That's funny. That's right. I am sitting here with not just uh, a very creative and very different type of entrepreneur, but also a friend of mine, Saul Kay. Uh, we're going to go into some lots of great stuff that he's involved in. I met Saul through a mutual friend, uh, Uri Schechterman, who is the CEO of Nace Mobile. And I'm a small partner in a boutique wine store in Beit Shemesh that uh, Saul and Uri head up. And that's how I got to know Saul. But he is uh, one of the things I know we've talked about in past episodes is really fearless to be a successful entrepreneur. And Saul, you know, personifies that going out into different markets, opening up bank accounts in different companies in different countries to, you know, do his work. He's a pharmacist. He's an investor. And today we're, we're going to talk about all that stuff, but we're going to also focus on cannabis, which has become a huge, I wouldn't say issue. What would be a huge uh, industry? Hot topic. There we go. In all over the world, especially in the uh, medical world. And uh, without further ado, I want to introduce my buddy, my friend. Oh, and of course, we got to talk about subs. Saul, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. We're actually sitting in subs right now. Why don't you uh, tell us what subs is and how it got started and just a quick overview about subs since we're uh, here. Sure. Subs is the first co-working space in Beit Shemesh. Uh, we set ourselves a target to build the ecosystem in Beit Shemesh, to build uh, entrepreneurship, to make Beit Shemesh a home for high tech, to keep people in Beit Shemesh, stop them traveling outside of Beit Shemesh. There is no reason. If people work in Beit Shemesh, they spend in Beit Shemesh. It is good for your community. And uh, the world is moving towards co-working. If you don't know what co-working it is, it's a model that sort of exploded, I guess, nine months ago with WeWork, who are the biggest. They have a $10 billion valuation, 20,000 times revenue. So talk about wow. a bubble. Um, <laughs> but what they've said is the same as people no longer have a career. You have a job and you move from job to job to job. And that is your career rather than working for 30 years for Chevrat uh, Chashmal, the, the electric company. You can move around, and that's part of how we work today. And part of that working is co-working, where you can work in an environment with other entrepreneurs, with other people, service providers. You provide them a service. They provide you a service. Everyone wins. So it's a great – first of all, I'm going to post some pictures of this place because when you're here, you don't feel like you're in Beit Shemesh. I've said this you know, 100 times to people already that you feel like you're actually in uh, Silicon Valley. It's such a gorgeous place. I mean, and you did it in like record time. It was like insane. Six it went from weeks. a shell six weeks. Six weeks. You can't believe it's like insane. People are not going to believe it. I'm going to post some uh, some pictures. You guys got to check it out on the website. But Subs actually stands for Startup Bait Shemesh. Clifton Flack, he's uh, he's a partner here with you he's guys. A partner. He's our community manager. He's fantastic. He's, he does a fantastic job. And more than just than having workspace for people to come to, there's also uh, excellent programs, speakers. Tonight we had six VCs here in Israel that came and spoke and answered questions and really a phenomenal uh, phenomenal event. And first of all, so kudos uh, to you and to your team and for everybody involved because you know it is very needed and you guys did a fantastic job here. Thank you very much. So I want to get I want to dig into a lot. Of, <laughs> we have a lot to talk about, but I want to dig in first uh, to a little bit about your background. Where are you from? You obviously have a little bit of an accent going on. So where did you where did you grow up? And I know you're. You, How did you get into pharmacy? How did you? We're always an entrepreneur. How did you get to Israel? 
and all that other good stuff. Sure. I am from Perth, Australia, the western side, small Jewish community, 10,000 Jews now. When I grew up, it was probably 6,000, very small Frum community. And we uh, grew up there. I left Perth and went to Sydney to finish my studies. At that stage, I was studying pharmacy. Before that, I was studying uh, to be a vet and I didn't enjoy that. So I looked for something else in the medical field, knowing that I didn't want to be a vet. I definitely didn't want to be a doctor. Um, (laughs) My parents would have liked me to be a doctor. Uh, So I chose pharmacy and uh, my father said, you know, you're going to be a glorified uh, salesman, which is what a pharmacist is in his eyes. And I always looked at it as something a little different, Uh, looked at the opportunity inside and uh, been in pharmacy, in retail pharmacy for 20 years in Israel. So were you an actual pharmacist in In Australia? Australia, I'm Australian trained, Israeli licensed, Mm -hmm. uh, and I've uh, looked at various different ways to make pharmacy work. Pharmacy as a business is a very, very difficult business. Outside, I mean, retail in general is a very difficult business. Pharmacy is an extremely difficult business. The big players squeeze the independence. The demographics continually change inside especially in a regulated market like australia and uh, israel it is very hard to make money from prescription medications you need a lot of volume and a lot of volume means a lot of staff and a bigger facility and all the rest of the things that come along with running a a big uh, retail operation so i um went looking for different models that could work together with a retail space. And I fell into online pharmacy probably six years ago where the Canadian pharmacies were dispensing because the Canadian drugs were cheaper and Americans actually cross the border to go and buy medications in Canada and they do it in Mexico. And it's a common thing in America. Because they couldn't get prescriptions in America or because it's because just cheaper? It's cheaper. Is that much cheaper that it's worth going across the border? If you live, for example, up in, in Washington, so it's a quick drive up to Canada to buy prescriptions. Or, you know, you live down somewhere in the Mexican border, you hop over, it's less regulated, it's cheaper, you can get things without a prescription. So the American community got used to that and it started as a very much mail order business. And we started dispensing for some of the big Canadian online pharmacies and I quickly realized there's no reason why we can't build our own brand. And I did. And that is how Israel Farmies was born. And through that, we became involved internationally on a global scale of manufacture, pipelining out of various dispensaries in other countries, because Israel has a specific model that works for some drugs. Australia, New Zealand, India, Turkey, Georgia all have different models and different molecules are better from different places. So I used multiple dispensaries in many, many countries in order to service my customer base, which is in the U.S., Wow. So that's, I mean, that's a huge undertaking. And uh, so it's still going strong now? Or have Thank you God noticed a shift? Still, we've always grown 25% a year. We don't like to stick our head too high up above the waters because uh, Misrata Brut, the big shark, will come and <laughs> chop my head off. So, right. They're big listeners of the um, show, by the way. Right. We, we <laughs> like to grow uh, at a nice steady rate. Customer service is of premium importance. It's uh, the way that we've grown. We take care of our customers. We have very, very good customer retention and customer loyalty. And those are key to what made that a success, especially because it's a type of business where I have a lot of limitations, both on the financial side, because it is pharma, and on the regulatory side, because it is pharma. So I can't do AdWords on Google. I can't pay for advertising. I have to build my customer base through loyalty. Word of mouth, I guess. Word of mouth, uh, classic advertising, and all these uh, type of things, and content. 
content and we've built our own uh, social marketing method in order to get around the limitations set by uh, Google. So it's funny. I mean, we're, we're, you're talking about you have a pharmacy degree, you're a pharmacist, but really what you're describing, you're, you're more of an entrepreneur that happens to be a pharmacist than a pharmacist that got into being an entrepreneur. Do you call yourself an entrepreneur? Have you always felt like you were in more of a business person, but you were an interest in pharmacy or is this just something that came along? Uh, I, you know, so I you think I'm pharmacy? a pharma entrepreneur. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for years. I started, I guess, my first business when I was 12 with okay. a, another very successful friend of mine. We used to clean gutters together. Uh, I've always looked at a situation and seen something that's missing or something that could be done differently. And over the years now, thank God I can afford to make those changes myself. But over the years, I would try and squeeze together an investment to make a difference in a space that I saw an opportunity. Excellent. Excellent. So I want to spend you know a lot of time on cannabis uh, specifically medical cannabis and then the business aspects of cannabis because you know this is an entrepreneurial show and it is a, a business show and I know you're definitely at the forefront of the business aspects of cannabis and I think it's a important industry to talk about but I first want to you know a lot of my listeners they hear cannabis they hear marijuana they think you know it's illegal it's usser it's you know but you know medical cannabis has a long history I want to talk about a little bit about how big pharma how they came into play and how they've been holding back cannabis. But I just want to first say why I personally am a a, uh, advocate for medical cannabis, especially in Israel. Well, first of all, it was a big week this week in Israel where they uh, announced that they are now going to allow doctors to prescribe cannabis just like any other narcotic and you'll be able to pick it up at local pharmacies. And then also specifically to my case, uh, for kids that have epilepsy, they'll now be able to uh, have their cannabis uh, subsidized. Uh, from the government, or from the kupot, I should say. So uh, I have a special needs son, name is Moishi, and he's been having seizures. He has uh, cerebral palsy and and microcephaly, and he's been having seizures uh, for the last several years. And we were putting him on all sorts of different medications and running from doctor to doctor, you know, suggesting put him on this medication, put him on that medication. And the medications were, were horrible, they were disgusting, and there were tremendous side effects. And they weren't really stopping the seizures. And even they were stopping the seizures, they were causing other problems. And this went on for a few years. And it wasn't until we put him on a new medication that put him in a coma uh, for two days where we said, that's it, enough with this garbage. And I came across something which I know you're familiar with called Charlotte's Web. I'm going to link to the video on this uh, podcast episode because I think it's important to watch this story about Charlotte's Web. But basically, uh, Charlotte's Web is named after a, a young girl named Charlotte. Uh, what was she, two years old, three years old? Charlotte Figgy. She was a, yeah, a couple of years old when the story went down. Right. She was having seizures, hundreds of seizures a day. She has a condition called Dravet syndrome, which is a very specific case of epilepsy with hundreds of micro seizures a day. Uh, she wasn't gaining weight. She wasn't uh, growing neurologically. Uh, she was stagnant. She, uh, therefore, was more special needs than she needed to have been. And I believe she was on 20-plus pharmaceutical uh, preparations in order to control the 300 microseizures, which it didn't do. And some of those, like uh, you said, have serious uh, side effects and huge addiction profiles. And uh, luckily, the regulatory environment allowed that they could do some studies and try and find 
the right strain in order to minimize the number of uh, seizures or micro seizures that that Charlotte was having. And um, a a famous doctor now, Dr. Shackelford in uh, Colorado, together with the Steele brothers who went and grew a specific strain, which happens to be high in a compound called CBD, one of the active compounds inside the marijuana plant. They developed a high CBD strain, which uh, upon the first dose stopped her seizures miraculously. And she's now, I think, 11, running around, uh, fantastic, cognitively much better and uh, amazing, amazing Well, this was was a a story that was heard around the world, especially for parents, especially these kids or kids with epilepsy, because when I watched it for the first time, I sort of said, this can't be cannabis. Marijuana is going to you know, help my son with his seizures. But I started looking up more and I started uh, studying it more. And more and more people were trying out uh, cannabis for their, for their kids with epilepsy and with incredible results. And uh, I actually, I spoke to my Rav and I asked him about it. He said, there's no, nothing wrong with it like any other medication. I mean, you know, you're taking it. First of all, you know, it's really for his own you know, good. It's it's for his benefits. Mama's like a case of pekuch nefesh. If you could help somebody, uh, you know, not have the seizures, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with it from a medical perspective. And so we, and I'll there's never nothing this. actually wrong with a halachic perspective either. Actually, um, a little bit of history behind. I mean, the modern day halacha is influenced by the last hundred years of political genocide that they tried against the marijuana plant and before that it was commonly accepted as a general treatment of many many ailments there is anecdotal evidence inside the Gemara inside Mikra of uh, cannabis use it was certainly known in other social circles around them the Sumerians the Egyptians the American Indians all have used cannabis uh, for thousands of years and it was Commonly prescribed up till 1931 inside USA. So what happened in 1931? And then we'll get, get back to my story. Right. Well, let's go back to your story and then I'll give a little bit background history on, okay, on that'd cannabis. Be fantastic. So, so basically, so when we, we realized we're not going to give him any more of this garbage uh, medication that the doctors are, they themselves don't know what they're, you know, they're just prescribing this, prescribing that, try this, try that. Uh, and my son is not a guinea pig. And so we imported from Colorado cannabis, uh, I'll call it cannabis illegally. You're not supposed to tell them that. <laughs> so I, I, afterwards, I'll tell a nice little story about how America got their first stock of THC. Okay. Illegally. So, okay. So, like, you know, I, I wasn't looking at a legal, so I was looking at, this is what my kid needs. I don't care. I'll do anything for my children as long as, you know, it's, it's when the, the boundaries of halacha. And so I, I um, we ordered it and my son, who had an, uh, an operation a couple of years before this, he had lost a lot of his... Uh, cognitiveness. He used to say a lot well, a lot more words. We think something happened. We think he had seizures underneath uh, the anesthesia when he was going through this uh, muscle lengthening surgery. And, and, and he lost a lot of what he uh, was capable of doing. The first week that we gave him cannabis, we saw him do things and say things that we hadn't seen in three years. And it was a nace and it was a huge shock to us. My family, my wife... We saw Moishi start to try to walk again. We saw him use his hand and play with toys, which he hadn't done for three years. This is the first week, and, and his seizures were, went totally gone. From having three to four seizures a day, he went to zero seizures. And we saw in that first week the real potential uh, in medical cabinets, and we, we became 
huge believers. And wow, this gift that Mamish came from Hashem, obviously, you know, it's it's a plant that's, uh, you know, a natural plant that Hashem put in this world. And the effects it's had on our son was just truly miraculous. Now, after that first week, yeah, you know, we've been playing over the last, uh, you know, year or so, a year and a half with uh, different dosages and, and different things. You know, his body sort of got used to it. But we saw that that with medical cannabis, that there is potential for him uh, that we hadn't seen in any other medication. After, you know, importing for about six months or so, we got an official license here in Israel. So now we are legal. And, um, you know, the, the miracles continue to happen. The seizures continue to go down. We're still, you know, experimenting with different uh, mixtures between CBD and THC and, you know, how much to give him and, and stuff like that. But there, I'm, I'm part of a network of over 80 families that give their kids uh, cannabis for epilepsy. And every single one of them have seen differences. Obviously, there's still challenges, but by far it is safer. Health, I don't know healthier is the word, but it's, it's safer. There's no side effects and it's worked better than anything else we have ever given him. And, and that's across the board. All right, so I'm going to hand it back over to you, Saul, just to so go a little bit I'll more. I'll give a little wrap up of the remarkable cannabis plant that Hashem gave us. Cannabis has been known as cannabis indica, cannabis sativa for many, many years, uh, thousands of years. It has been used in traditional Chinese medicine. It has been used as a medicine in the Mediterranean for thousands of years. The reason in 1930s that cannabis became a taboo was largely together with prohibition. When prohibition came in in America, it came in on all mind-altering medications, including cocaine, uh, morphium, opium, uh, alcohol. Cocaine used it was an ingredient in Coca-Cola originally. Correct, correct. And it became the black man's drug, the the Negro's drug. It became, it, it was a South American drug, the, the marijuana, the word marijuana is, is Spanish. We call it cannabis, which is the Latin name. But we lost the use and the study of this plant for a hundred years when we've known how to isolate substances for many years. In 1921, we isolated insulin and started mass producing it. We know how to do this for hundreds of years already, but because of the political situation surrounding marijuana and marijuana madness and all the crazy things that it can cause, like paranoia, um, we have been forced to not study this plant other than in one country, and that country is Israel. In 1960, there was a researcher in Hebrew University, Dr. Rafael Meshulam, who went to the police and said, I want to study it. And they said, sure, <laughs> because why not? It's Israel, so you can do anything. And it was the 60s. And it was the 60s. <laughs> and he studied it. He isolated the psychoactive compound, THC, and subsequently another 12 compounds, which are collectively called cannabinoids. And following on from that for the next 40 years, understood how those molecules react with our body. And the interesting thing with how it reacts to our body, normally when you have a compound which works, it works on a receptor. So he found there are two receptors, the, CBD, uh, the CB1 and the CB2 receptors, that uh, have receptors in every single organ in our body. Now, he came up with a system which he calls the endocannabinoid system. This is the cannabinoids, the cannabis that your body naturally produces. And it does. And it affects every single system 
in your body. Now, if you're looking to educate yourself about it, there's a new video, a documentary about Meshulam. It's called Meshulam the Scientist. Uh, Nachum will link to it on the podcast as well. It's a very interesting, lovely story about Rafael Meshulam, who's now 84 years old, and how he discovered THC, how he isolated THC, and how the American government took 10 grams of isolated THC back on a plane into America in order to study it. Completely illegal. Wow. Right? And that was the only... Uh, THC that the American government has ever tested on, isolated in the Hebrew U in, uh, in Jerusalem. Interesting. So, great story. He's a lovely man. He's the grandfather of cannabis. Israel has 23,000 patients currently in its medical marijuana program. The interesting thing with that is... You say it's 23,000 23,000 meaning 23,000 licensed. Correct. So, now that's not a lot. Let's be honest. California has, I don't know, 3 million patients. Right. But our 23,000 patients in Israel have recorded medical history using cannabis. The 3 million, the 10 million, the 20 million people who use it anecdotally around the rest of the world have no clinical data that can be used and understood. So that is why Israel has been at the forefront of cannabis research. We have a regulatory system which said in the 60s, you can study the plant. We've had a medical marijuana program since 1974 when the first patients got it. Oh, wow. Um, and they were the first growers. They were allowed to grow their own medicine, which is where... What were they using it for back in 74? Like, what was the um, main... I don't know the original... Uh, uh, one of the first patients was Crohn's, actually. Mm-hmm. He was a chayal, a, an army soldier, and he lost something like 35 kilos in, in three months on his in his training, and he ended up being hospitalized, and nothing worked, and he said give me cannabis, and they did, and it worked, and he's now alive and well. So and just, just interject a second. Why don't you tell us about more of the um, applications of cannabis? You know, we talked about uh, for epilepsy, we talked about now for Crohn's. What, what other uh, diseases or sicknesses do people have that can benefit from uh, right. cannabis? So number one, uh, top and foremost, nausea and weight loss and all the bad side effects from uh, oncology, on- oncology medication. If you have cancer, the only way to kill cancer is to kill every cell in your body and hope that you kill the cancer quicker than you kill your own cell. That wreaks absolute havoc on your body, as you can imagine. And if anyone has a, a family member or a friend with cancer, you know the pain and suffering they go through with chemotherapy. And this is a treatment in order to make them better. But on the way, it makes them so much worse. So first and foremost, oncology. Secondly, anorexia, which nothing has ever been able to treat it before. It seemed to be a psychological problem. It may not be a psychological problem. It's used for Parkinson's, ALS, who knows what our epilepsy on the neurological side, but who knows what else it could be used for because we haven't been allowed to study the plant. It's used for gastro problems like Crohn's, diverticulitis, I think in the future, irritable bowel syndrome, and pain management. Pain management. Pain management, which is everyone in the world suffers from pain at some time. And the drugs that are on offer today are all narcotics. They all have huge addiction profiles. They make you drowsy. They make you constipated. They're not cheap. They wreak havoc on other parts of your body. And I would say every listener out there thinks that that's okay. And, and there's, a, there's a myth that cannabis is addictive. Correct. It's a myth. It is a myth. There, there was a study done on the toxicity of cannabis where they reached somewhere around 2,500 pounds of cannabis consumed in a very short time and nothing happened. 
Wow. Now take uh, Tylenol, Acamol, Paracetamol, uh, commonly prescribed over-the-counter medication, and you swallow eight of those tablets and you will need a liver transplant. Wow. So again, history, politics said that this is a an illegal plant, a plant you shouldn't be using. It has all of those bad side effects. It causes people to use harder drugs. That has been an argument that they've used for 100 years. Right, it's a gateway drug, gateway drug right. uh, which has been completely disproven. It causes paranoia. Yes, of course it causes paranoia because you're looking over your shoulder to see if a policeman's over there. <laughs> so is it the cannabis or is it the police that cause paranoia? <laughs> All of these things are being debunked. And you say, well, you can't drive under the influence of cannabis. And I can tell you 100% uh, you can drive under the influence of cannabis. Uh, it increases your motor agility. It increases your alpha waves. It has uh, use in ADD, ADHD in the future. Much better than um, Ritalin, I would say. Absolutely I mean, that's a whole other better topic. than amphetamine, which is speed. speed right. And it's speeding your body up. Cannabis is slowing down. Everyone's happy. Everyone's calm. Let's use it as a peace tool. Let's drop it all over the world and get everyone happy. <laughs> um, so just to cut, cut in, uh, let's talk a little bit about Big Pharma because, you know, you said 1931, it was banned like uh, with alcohol, but then alcohol was legalized, you know, I guess when Prohibition was over. When was that? In four, 50s? 50s. 50s. And, uh, but, but cannabis yet yeah, wasn't. So... Why is that? Why is this big pharma? What do they have to lose by allowing medical cannabis to come into, into the world? It's very easy. Take your son's example. He was on how many medications before cannabis? Uh, I think five different ones. And how much did that cost you a month? Um, hundreds and hundreds of shekels. But if, you know, How much did it cost the kupai every month? A lot more than that, thousands. Okay. And now how many medications is he on? One. What is that? Cannabis. Ah. Is that a medication? Well, it's a plant. It's a natural. It's a, okay. I mean, that's, a different argu- that's a different argument. But okay, let's say he's on one medication against 22 others. Now, those 22 generate how many billions of dollars for pharmaceutical companies? A lot. And mm-hmm. can you grow your own cannabis in your backyard and continue to have your own medicine? And Legally it or physically? Let, let's call it in a, in a perfect world. You find a strain, it works, you get the genetics for it and you grow it. Right. You continue to take a clone of the mother plant and continue to grow new plants every day. What does that cost you? A Nothing. bit of sunshine and a bit of water. Right. Now, that's the big problem with big pharma. So I've heard, I mean, up to like that the big pharma would tend to lose... 40% of the market if cannabis was legalized medically for... I would, I would say it's more than that because if you've seen... More than 40%. Well, if you've seen children and adults who are taking 22 compounds every single day and those are reduced, I would say it's going to wipe out maybe 99% of their revenues. That's insane. you can now treat pain by yourself. You can treat neurological issues. You can treat stomach issues. You're happier... So now you don't need your antidepressants and you're no longer in pain. You don't need your painkillers. So 99% of your drugs are gone. How big, how big is Big Pharma just to put a number on what we're oh, talking about here? Trillions. Trillions. Trillions of dollars. Trillions of dollars around the world. And so there are people that have a vested interest in, you know, in spreading false rumors about cannabis right. and uh, holding it back from a political level. Uh, I would assume that big money is spent with the politicians trying to delegalize and not allow it to uh, to be legal, but uh, but the tide is uh, changing. I mean, you have several. I believe we we are moving towards a tipping point. I don't think we're there yet. The eventuality will be legalization internationally. In my opinion, it will take some time. 
but the tide has to change. It's becoming a topic. Everyone is talking about it. Election people are talking about it. Uh, it is a topic spoken about the upcoming election in America. It's certainly a topic in Israel since six months ago where it was a minor topic and now it's a major topic. Right. Uh, the police have, have mentioned that they're going to re-look at, at how they look at cannabis. Ms. Radabriot, the Ministry of Health, are looking at how to increase that's, patient uh, access. That's Rob Litzman. Right? That He's, is uh, uh, Litzman's uh, program, which is not the most ideal program. We, we suggested a different program to the ministry and they rejected it. Okay. Unfortunately, people in government are still people in government and choose to do things their way even though they might listen and learn a better way to well, go Well, listen, we're, we're at the forefront here. I mean, and, uh, Correct. How, you know, I, I feel it's very much at this stage, if you take a step forward, it's good. I just think that some of the ways that, that the government goes about it is you take two steps forward and five steps back. And that's currently what's happening. However, we're talking about a an, an fast-developing, call it bubble, because it will be a bubble. And I'll tell you how fast it is. I've been in this space for about two years. In the last six months, we've gone from completely illegitimate to talk about it to everybody talking about it. Right. And uh, the power of social media, the power of the influence that people will have over this is uh, there will be a tipping point. Now, I just want to clarify also that when we talk about cannabis, most people think it's about smoking a joint, smoking a, you know, a marijuana cigarette. But we're talking about you know, in edibles. We're talking about food. Uh, I know that uh, Rabbi Moshe Elephant from the OU is looking into giving a hechsher. He's worked with a grower for the time when uh, you're going to need kosher uh, medical cannabis products. So I think the, the and you could inhale it as well. Correct. The, the movement in America is eat to treat, where the effect of cannabis in the stomach because of the CB2 uh, receptor is much longer. If you smoke it, the effect is immediate, which is why it's typically being smoked. But the edible effect lasts for six hours as opposed to an hour and a half. Oh, well. And it's much easier to dose. Now we can talk about cannabis as a medicine. Whereas if you're talking about cannabis smoked, it's not a medicine. You can't go to a doctor and the doctor will say, smoke this and come back in the morning and tell me how it was. Well, um, pain man, isn't that what they do for pain management? Or Again, because, because the profile for pain is, is you need the immediate re relief. response and yeah. relief, then smoking is still the best way to go about it. However, there's a movement now to vape. Vaping is a process. Um, the cannabis plant actually has to go through a chemical process in order to activate itself. That process is called decarboxylation. How we've typically done it for thousands of years is you light your cannabis up, you put fire to it, it goes through that chemical process called decarboxylation, and you get active THC. So we have learned for thousands of years to smoke it. You can vaporize the THC at 191 degrees Celsius, and all you get is THC. And higher temperatures, 201, 202, 203 degrees, you can extract your CBDs. So there is a movement in America to eat to treat. There is a definite movement to uh, vape. And there will be eventually tablets, patches, creams, sprays, nasal sprays, everything, every other delivery method that we have for medication can be applied to the cannabis. Yeah, actually, uh, I read an amazing story. You probably heard of it also. I, I'm not sure when it was, but there was some doctor who was really anti-cannabis and his wife came up with some sort of sickness. And he rubbed like a cannabis cream. Was this a cancer thing? Did you, do you know what story I'm talking about? I don't know. It was a, some um, sort of cannabis uh, cream or, or something, and it actually you know entered through the skin and uh, healed her. Right. But I mean, more and more of these stories are coming out now because this is you know a business uh, podcast, and 
really, uh, you know, I want to talk about Canatech. I want to talk about, you have an upcoming conference. I think the first of its kind, the business of cannabis. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what is Canatech? Tell us about the uh, upcoming uh, conference and what are the opportunities for investors and people who want to make money in cannabis today? Sure. So after two years of research and looking at what cannabis businesses I want to invest in and how I want to invest in the space, uh, one of the holes we saw was a lack of a platform and a community platform between the entrepreneurs, the VCs, the investors, the angels. And similar to what I did here in Subs, where I'm building a ecosystem ground up in Beit Shemesh for entrepreneurs, we feel there's the same opportunity exists uh, in the cannabis space. And the major players in the world are coming to Canatech. Canatech will be in Tel Aviv on December 7th. We have Rafi Mashulam, the famous THC oh, scientist. Oh, he's coming. He's uh, our chairman. We have a doctor in America who has 22,000 patients herself and she has prescribed to them. So she has more weight than the cannabis unit at the Ministry of Health. Wow. Right? So let's start a dialogue. We're bringing, hopefully, the Ministry of Health will agree to come to this event. Uh, the police, the regulators, the investors. We have commitments from very large VCs, very standard industry, slow adapters as VCs are coming because they know the scope of this space and how big it can be, they're starting to be interested in the space. And there well, is. I mean, you're talking about a. You're talking about if we're talking about eventually taking over ninety nine percent of big pharma, you're talking sure. about trillion dollar industry. And outside of that, be. you're talking about the whole recreational side. You're talking about the culture side. You're talking about the apps that can be developed, the uh, technologies, the medical devices. There, there are so many. Every opportunity you can think of that has existed in the last 20 years in investment. So start with finance. It exists. Start with grow tech, how to grow better consistent strains Right, Israel has been growing in a desert for 60 years. So we know how to grow in a desert. We'll be able to grow cannabis in a desert. Uh, so there's agrotech, there's water tech, how to make your grow cleaner, how to not use regular fertilizers. Again, if this is a medicine that you want to treat people with, you want it to be as natural as possible. And, and bodek, we got to keep it uh, you know, bug free. That's right. No <laughs> bugs and no fungus because fungus and wet grows ruin your crop and how to keep consistent standardized crops because if a child gets his medicine and that that is the strain that works and there are 1700 known strains right now and probably more but if you know that this one strain call it xxy is the one that works for your kid that is the one you want to get and right. you will do anything to get that and it has to be standard and it has to be good each and every time and the opportunity exists across the board so if you take any space that I've been involved in whether it's e-commerce there are certainly e-commerce plays here in cannabis people will be selling vaporizer pens extracts patches pills grinders You're talking about when it papers legal or be even now it's happening uh, you've got legal states in america there are four legal states uh, colorado washington oregon and alaska all legal for cannabis right across the board both medically and recreationally and you've got a medical marijuana program in 23 other states that's more than 50% of americans have access to legal marijuana so take any space take an app you've got a big app called weed maps 
um, which is going to take on Waze. It's how do I get my strain delivered to me in California within 40 minutes? You've got uh, big social networks uh, coming up like mass routes. So we've got now a Facebook or a LinkedIn play. You've got doctors, clinics, testing facilities, grow facilities, technology on how to grow, grow tech, agrotech, every single space that you can think of, wherever I be, if I'm a software guy, there is a software play. It is that broad. It is that opportunistic right now. You talk about the gold rush uh, in America and people rush from all over the world to America for the gold rush. This is the green rush. Hmm. It's funny. I, mean, I guess when you're looking at it like, like that, there really is tremendous opp- opportunities for an entrepreneur to find his niche, to find his space. I guess you know, there's a website, Canatech. Canatech.co. Okay. Um, We're gonna link. We'll link to it in the, in the show notes. Great. Thank and you. And you're, you're building a forum. You're building a place for people. To We're building a platform, a global platform that we can take to every emerging country. We know that Europe is going to be bigger than the United States in the long run. Germany, Czech Republic already looking at legalization. They're talking in Italy, legalization in under three months. The UK, there was just a petition over the weekend. 100,000 people signed a petition. By UK law, it now has to be discussed in Parliament. Wow. The tipping point is very, very close to legalization across the board. And you mentioned Mr. Butte making these you know, steps forward and allowing patients to get access through pharmacies, and that's all great. I think by the time they figure out how to implement that system, it might be legal in Israel. That's how fast this space is moving. Wow. And I, I think actually a, a big play will be in home growing, which is like you could brew your, you know, brew your own beer and make, make your, your own, own wine. wine. You're brewing your own beer and now you're actually making your own medicine. Right. You're which, growing uh, your own medicine. Which is incredible in terms of, uh, you know, being able to, to save the, you know, the money and to have access when you need it. And of course, I'm, uh, you know, this being um, a from podcast, I know there's going to be a lot of upcoming discussions on cannabis over the, you know, coming years, especially, you know, I don't want to talk about it too much now, you know, on the recreational side of things, you know, what's the difference between having a Lachaim and uh, or having some uh, a brownie, you know, with cannabis in it, but uh, that's way above my pay level. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because you're still making the connection and assumption based on a hundred years of propaganda that smoking weed or consuming cannabis is like drinking alcohol. Now that's because you've been told for a hundred years it makes you high. Is your son high? Originally, when what we were giving him, he was fifty percent CBD, fifty percent THC, and he was stoned uh, to an extent. But he was never happier. He would laugh and be happy. He's happy. And, He's and who, functioning. And who would want you know? Who, right. We all want our kids to be happy. And, now uh, we we associate <laughs> tobacco and alcohol with. You know, but, but funny, but the Rabbanim have been ossering tobacco, have been ossering smoking. You know, they're obviously against uh, recreational drinking. You know, obviously for Kiddush and for mitzvahs, obviously there's a, a point and a purpose. And even at a simcha, having a l'chaim, you know, I think it's going to be a long time before Gedolim will come out and say, if they ever will come out and say that, hey, it's okay to take a, a hit or to take, you know, eat a, a kosher Cannabis brownie, you know, I don't see that happening anytime real soon, just because of the stigma and because, you so know. I believe, I believe differently. I think that it won't be a halachic issue. There will be edible, kosher edibles. There will be people, I mean, they've already said all cannabis grows, obviously, a kosher. It didn't need to be said. It was said. The issue is 
exists, in my opinion, because of the association with alcohol. No, but it, well, I don't know. It's because you're you're altering your mind. So well, why is it permitted to alter? It's always your, your been mind? permitted to alter our mind. Halachically, halachically. So yeah, so this it's an interesting discussion about you know whether it be permissible at times or anything like you know obviously on Purim you're allowed it's a mitzvah to drink wine but a lot of rabbanim have come out against it just because kids today take it to an extent where they don't act properly and if you take anything that does something that makes you act inappropriately you know I don't think there's room in halacha to be able to uh, to have that but will there be a time that you could eat a a kosher brownie? That has uh, cannabis in it, just like you could eat a, a brownie with alcohol in it, you know, and you get a little uh, buzz on Shabbos. Would that be okay? I don't know. I think we're going to be we're far away from that, but it is going to be an interesting and hot topic, you know, continuing uh, to to watch. Where is Canatech taking place? So Canatech is in Tel Aviv at a venue called Cultura. It's five hundred people will attend. Over two hundred already have uh, subscribed, have, uh, have purchased tickets. Uh, tickets will be available. They're two hundred dollars. We are specifically pricing it at that range in order to remove the elements of society that might want to come to a cannabis convention, say like a cannabis cup in the U.S. It is not a cannabis cup. It is a medical investor summit to talk about the legitimacy in the market for cannabis, the potential in the market, and the potential to save lives and help people uh, with this amazing uh, product. Will there be um, entrepreneurial, uh, or I should say investor opportunities at the uh, Yes, we, we will have a pitch event. We're, we're accepting pitches now. If, if any of you out there know of businesses that are looking to raise capital inside the cannabis space, we are having a pitch event, and that will be the culmination of the event of Canatech. Okay. Together with that, we have a lot of opportunities to network with high-wealth individuals and VCs. We're there to connect the communities. So if, if you're an investor, you're looking to invest in uh, cannabis, then you would be the guy to, to reach out to as well. Absolutely. Help guide people in the opportunities. I know that uh, from a, um advocate standpoint, you're very uh, influential here in Israel and continue to help fight for uh, you know uh, medical cannabis use. These things are changing before our eyes. It is going faster than we could possibly imagine. So I'll, you know we could continue talking probably for hours on this, but uh, – you know, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for, you know, I think it's a very interesting topic. I think, you know, you're definitely in the right place at the right time. And as a pharmacist, you know, you definitely know what you're talking about, especially, you know, being involved in this for so long. Uh, I want to wish you a lot of continued hatzlacha. And, uh, you know, I thank you for your friendship. And uh, I thank you uh, for uh, agreeing to be on the show. And I look forward to hearing some great things. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliach.